0: When you think of Gary, Indiana, you probably think about the Jackson five. But today I want to tell you about an amazing occurrence that happened 50 years ago today in Gary, Indiana, and it had everything to do with black politics and the black agenda. The beautiful thing about this meeting was that there was a mix of ideologies, a mix of interests and concerns and It was an opportunity for people to meet together who weren't necessarily like minded, but they were certainly goal minded. The National Black Political Convention happened March 10th through March 12th, 1972 in Gary. And I want to share this and talk about this today because the stakes that were mentioned at that particular convention are the same stakes that we're dealing with here today. Want to share with you briefly some of the Gary declaration black politics at crossroads. The black agenda is addressed primarily to black people in America. It rises naturally out of the bloody decades and centuries of our people's struggle on these shores. It flows from the most recent surgings of our own cultural and political consciousness. It is our attempt to define some of the essential changes, which must take place in this land. As we and our children move to self determination and true independence. The black agenda assumes that no truly basic change for our benefit takes place in black or white America unless we black people organize to initiate that change. It assumes that we must have some essential agreement on overall goals, even though we may differ on specific strategies. Therefore, this is an initial statement of goals and directions for our own generation. Some first definitions of crucial crucial issues around which black people must organize. And move in 1972 and beyond. Anyone who claims to be serious about the survival and liberation of black people must be serious about the implementation of the black agenda. We come to Gary in an hour of great crisis and tremendous promise for black America. While the white nation hovers on the brink of chaos while its politicians offer no hope of real change, we stand on the edge of history and are faced with an amazing and frightening choice. We may choose in 1972 to slip back into the decadent white politics of American life, or we may press forward, moving relentlessly from Gary to the creation of our own black life. The choice is large, but the time is very short. Let me run that back real quick. We come right now in an hour of great crisis and tremendous promise for black America. While the white nation hovers on the brink of chaos, while its politicians offer no hope of real change, we stand on the edge of history and our face with an amazing and frightening choice. We may choose in 2022 to slip back into the decadent white politics of American life or we may press forward, moving relentlessly to the creation of our own black life. The choice is large, but the time is very short.
1: Um, to, be a Negro and, to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Almost almost all of the time you wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no go to make a difference
0: Welcome to another episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making here on this most, uh, I tell you, tremendous uh, commemoration and celebration and opportunity to learn about the National Black Political Convention. And man, do we need something like that right now when you think about everything that's going on amongst black people, you know, within the black community and just the very real need to organize. And the word I want to talk about, first and foremost, is organize. There are so many different issues going on, you know, as it relates to, you know, uh, just finances, as it relates to, you know, community safety, as it relates to our schools, and I do want to say first and foremost, I, this is just the overriding point of this episode: is that without organization, we cannot accomplish our goals um, as a people, and. What you will end up having, you know, when, you, when people come together and say, well, you know, we want to do this or we want to do that. And you don't have a spirit of organization. You don't have a spirit of goal mindedness. I think it just opens up the door for commodi- uh, commodification. It opens the door for your movement to be co-opted. And that's not to say that people don't have, you know, people and groups and entities and organizations don't have the best intentions it's just once your movement reaches the mainstream, you have to understand there are going to be various ways in which people are going to going to attack that particular movement. And a lot of what it looks like, I think, in the modern age is once corporate America gets a hold of it. And so, you know, corporate, and we'll just use Black Lives Matter for an example. So George Floyd was murdered. We saw it. There was a visceral response, which was the right response and was the most powerful response because And I and I want to make this perfectly clear, just off the top. So you have people that look at writing and look at the damage, look at the destruction of property, and they prioritize that over the death of human beings, over you know the death of a black man. And so there has to be a there has to be a distinction made very quickly because it's it's pretty well split down the middle. So I look at black people and black life. And I understand what, how, how and why that's diametrically opposed to the protection of property and the police, because the police are there to serve the serve the interests of wealth, to serve the interests of the establishment, and that's to preserve those interests and to preserve property. And so I understand that there is a clear line in the middle. So when I see what happened in Minneapolis, And I saw what happened to those buildings. I understand that is a direct response from black people from black life to say, hey, look, we're not going to allow this to happen anymore. And you have to understand out of that violence, out of that rioting. societal change happened. America is a country with a culture of violence. And the ugly truth is that every and any movement that has happened in America has happened. With, it, with some sort of violent response or some sort of violent um, action or reaction from the from the formation of this country to as I'm sitting here doing this podcast. Let me go back to the general point, though, of Black Lives Matter and what eventually happened to that movement is that you had all these companies and corporations say, okay, we understand where you're coming from. And so what happened? That watered down the movement. That took away from the effectiveness of the movement because it took away from the essence of the movement even if those individuals had good intentions, what people said was George Floyd was killed by police. We want to defund the police. We want to abolish the police. We want to see all, you know, all of this money that's going to police, put it somewhere else, put it, you know, in places where, you know, it provides for, excuse me, put it in a uh, reallocated in a way where it helps the community because, We understand that police statistically, the more you know, there's not a correlation as far as, hey, the more money we put in police, the less crime there is. So since we understand that's not the case, take this money, put it somewhere else where we can help people in the community. We can help the community overall. That didn't happen. What happened was that there were two politicians that were presented to us, both of which were pro police, both of which were pro capitalists neither of whom had a clear plan for the pandemic that we were in the midst of. And so either way, we're screwed. And anytime America catches a cold, black America gets pneumonia. And this is why there has to be a declaration of black independence. This is why there has to be a black agenda. Shout out to homie Crystal Franks, man. Crystal has been asking about a black agenda episode for a while. It's happening now. I'm very glad I've talked about it. I've talked, you know, to, it. I've talked through it and now's the time. And I've said this, you know, I've talked about different things in terms of just, you know, just local and national politics. And it's very simple to me. Um, I'm here in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Augusta is getting ready in May to have some major elections. They're going to vote for a new mayor. They're going to vote for commissioners. You know, they're going to be black and white candidates, predominantly black candidates. And I'm going to ask every, can- I'm going to ask candidates back black and white, a simple question. What are you going to do for black people? We have all these political interests and some of them are understood. Some of them are explained, but everyone has the liberty to be able to talk about, hey, what are you going to do in, in this community? Everybody has the license to do that except black folks. We act like talking about asking the question of what are you going to do for black people? It's such a damning comment. It's such a damning uh, question. And I'm done with that. If you can't answer that question, particularly as a black person, then I don't want you representing me. And it's as simple as that. And, I don't, and you shouldn't be representing the populace. It's, I mean, point blank, period. That is the start of political courage for black folks. Another good start uh, in terms of political courage for black folks is the conversation about reparations. Shout out my brother, Devin Baptiste. Man, you, Devin really brought a word on his Facebook page just talking about how much uh, the Wall Street bailout costs. $29 billion is how much it costs to bail out the banks, to bail out Wall Street, to bail out big business. Seventeen. Billion dollars is the number. I think I'm here. 14 billion I'm here. 17 billion is the number um, proposed uh, for reparations for American descendants of slaves for black people and people add like it's this expensive number. I'm I'm looking and seeing how much the U.S. government is going to spend on uh, the military on defense. Seven hundred and seventy billion dollars. Throwing money at everything except the people who are most in need. We can talk about disparities in healthcare. We can talk about racial wealth gaps. We can talk about all of these different things. The bottom line is, is that you can see it when you're walking down the street. You know the difference. You look, we're at we're in an information age. We know that this country has historically disrespected and disregarded black people. So if you're not, you know, apologizing and all that is good, but if your apology does not have um, some type of investment tied to it, if there's not, if, if look, I'll take your apology. I'm going to give you an invoice. That's how, that's how it works. That's how these things work now. And we got to have the resolve as black people to say, look, this is what we demand politically. And there's going to be a cultural shift. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, the days of uh, representation, representation, politics for black people and for black institutions like that, those are crumbling buildings. You know, I could, I could name names. I could say Jim Clyburn. I could say Kamala Harris. I could say those individuals like (laughs) those. I mean, people see through that black people deserve better. Black people want better. So out of black independence, out of black political uh, independence, you get black political imagination. You start to learn historically why there were so many African-American socialist. And, you know, we're not, we're not walking around here talking about, Hey, I'm, I'm a black capitalist. Not understanding the destiny that you impose on yourself, that you impose on your people, the lack of understanding, because when you say capitalism, you're essentially saying slavery. And so in this country, you have to understand who built this country, uh, whose backs was the country built on. And that all comes back to black people. So when you say black capitalism, it's like, man, what are you really saying? And so I, I tell you, I I feel like this is just a it's a renaissance period. It's an important time. You know, we're, we're learning about so much. And look, I'm <laughs> you know me. I'm I'm learning, loving and listening right along with you guys. I'm learning about things and I'm sharing it with you all because it's amazing the stuff that we're not taught. And I'm going to get into that um, later uh, in this in this podcast, because as much as I want to talk about black political independence, I also want to talk about where we are in terms of, uh, not just talking about the past, but also talking about the present and the future. And that's a very important, urgent conversation that we must have as we are continuing to see legislation that's being passed, um, that affects, you know, how information is being shared and what is being allowed and what's being disallowed. And so we're getting to a period where once again, we're we're seeing racism be being legislated, you know, not just in voting rights. Because I think you know, if you ask the black person on the street, well, what's the most, you know, what what legislative rights are you familiar with? You know, I think people say voting rights. I think if you ask a certain um, populace or a certain percentage of the populace, they you know they would say, you know, hey, voting rights is the thing. Not understanding that there are so many of so many black folks who are homeless, so many black folks who you know, are, who, are, who are going without. And I get it. And I got, and let, and let me shout out folks who are, because a lot of folks have, black folks have responded to the pandemic in the way that we always respond to things is that we're amazing at dealing with adversity. You know, we take the lemons and turn them into lemonade. And so there's a a great entrepreneurial energy that I'm seeing among black people. And that is important. I take that. And my understanding is that we like, I look at it like this. I'm not free until all of us are free. We're not free until all of us are free. And that has to be the attitude of us as a people. And that's how a people become a community. And that's where, again, I come back to 1972 to this National Black Political Convention in Gary, Indiana. And what you see is that, it's, is that you just see an energy and you see an urgency from people. Keep in mind, this is four years after Dr. King was assassinated. And so you know, this was a time of the Panthers. You know, this was a time of, you know, just expansive political and social change. Black folks were at a crossroads between integration and independence. And some people say in hindsight, you know, the choice should have been desegregation. I can certainly appreciate that. And my response to that is, is that we're still in a position where we can push for desegregation. Segregation is still largely happening all over this country. That's You know, when you talk about wealth gaps, race, uh, wealth gaps related to race. When you look at churches, so many of our uh, communities are still, you know, there are still swaths of white people over here. There's still swaths of black people over here. And the difference is access and opportunity. And what we say statistically, you know, what we see, we see the things that black people don't have. And so even when you talk about desegregation, we're still talking about the allocation of rights. I do want to say this before. I go to commercial break there for black people. There has to be an exodus from the Democratic Party. I know that's tough for a lot of people. You have to look at what has happened since Joe Biden has been in office. I understand the mutuality between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. You know, as people continue to pick sides between Democrats and Republicans, you have to understand that that was basically a passing of the baton. When you look at the mismanagement of the pandemic, when you look at the maltreatment and disregard of black folks, you know, when you just look across the board at, you know, how how America chooses to deal with health care and public services, there's been no difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. You know, again, I get it. Joe Biden is, you know, first black woman, Supreme Court, you know, again, these faces you know, representation pieces that still don't change black life on the whole. And the message that has to be sent from black folks is that we're not going to take it anymore. And that's going to require organization. That's going to require people in local communities to say, you know what? We need to start our own political clubs and not social clubs, but groups where these type of ideas are being shared. And there's transformational things are happening within communities because at the end of the day, how How can you make these changes if you don't meet up and link up and understand what the the things that are needed within your within our, I should say, individual communities? And honestly, those conversations must happen all the time. They can't just happen, you know, around elections. They have to happen because the issues that we're facing in our communities are continually or perpetual. They're ongoing. I want to leave you with this quick blurb. And it says both parties have betrayed us. And this is again from the Gary declaration. I would recommend that you read that as soon as you get a chance. Um, you can re- actually read it at blackpast.org. It's where I'm reading it from it says here at Gary, let us never forget that while the times and the names and the parties have continually changed, one truth has faced us insistently, never changing, both parties have betrayed us whenever their interests conflicted with ours, which was most of the time. And whenever our forces were unorganized and dependent, um, quiescent and compliant, nor should this be surprising. For by now, we must know that the American political system, like all other white institutions in America, was designed to operate for the benefit of the white race. It was never meant to do anything else. That is the truth that we must face at Gary. If white liberalism could have solved our problems, then Lincoln and Roosevelt and Kennedy would have done so but they did not solve ours nor the rest of the nations. If America's problems could have been solved by forceful politically skilled and aggressive individuals, then Lyndon Johnson would have retained the presidency. If the true American way of unbridled monopoly capitalism combined with a ruthless military imperialism could do it, then the Nixon would not be running around the world or making speeches comparing his nation's decadence to that of Greece and Rome. And I look at the terms of unbridled monopoly capitalism. Good Lord. Combined with a ruthless military imperialism, that is exactly what we have right now going on in America. And it is up to us as black folks to inform and empower ourselves about what's going on here and what's going on abroad. And understanding that what's happening to us here is happening all over the world. And so this is why we must come together politically and spiritually and otherwise and build. It is a matter of our survival. I want to talk about the last black history month when we come back you're listening to making a difference
1: my name is lauren Macon, and you are listening to making a difference with my handsome husband ken Macon.
0: this is donald doe and michael doe with family financial consultants
1: do you need help with medicare with affordable mortgage and life insurance building an estate for your child
0: we provide these types of services for you and much more as independent insurance brokers We take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives.
1: Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs.
0: Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina.
1: Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man, Ken Making, Keep it locked. Peace.
0: Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. There's this weird thing that happens first of February, really toward the end of January, Everybody gets really excited about black history and it's cool to see, honestly, as a person who, you know, talks about black history, studies black history, and shares black history all year round. It's exciting to see, you know, for I'll say about ten days, almost two weeks of black history. And what happens, I don't know if it's the Super Bowl or if it's Valentine's Day. I don't know what happens, but that energy starts to die down. And so by about the third week of February, people are pretty much moving on to the St. Patrick's day. Like there that black history energy is starting to die down. And by the end of the month, it's already totally dissipated. And that energy is not revisited until the following year. And so this pretty much happens every, or it's been happening pretty much every year. I've watched it happen for many years and it obviously bothers me as a person who, you know, cares deeply for black people for, you know, for, and for black and understanding, you know, how black, how much of black culture, how much of black history constitutes who and what we are as a country. And then I think about the idea of the last black history month. And what I mean by that is we're at a place right now where history is under siege. And there's a term, my man, uh, Earl Gray Summers mentioned, call it silent consent. And I understand what that term is generally associated with, but I'm inclined to use that term as it relates to white supremacy, because there's a way in this country that and understanding that the system is designed to serve white supremacy, to serve whiteness, But a part of that is a part of why that system is perpetuated is because we don't want to hurt white folks feelings. I can attest to this firsthand and I can I'm not going to name names, but I can say this was certainly the spirit um, that I experienced. And that I am experiencing um, while trying to get the monument taken down in North Augusta the Meriwether monument, which is a literal monument to white supremacy. There is an inscription on the monument that says Anglo Saxon supremacy. And the city had no problem with denouncing the inscription on the monument. Now, removing that inscription and taking that monument down was another matter entirely. Why? Because they did not want to offend white people. I've heard that from city officials. I've heard that out of the mouths of city officials past and present in North Augusta. And they're just basically saying the quiet part out loud, which is that there are people who have dangerous and violent and adverse views about black people, but we cannot hold them accountable for those ideas. No, can't do it. Not a chance. And this is how racism perpetuates itself because people are never taken to task for those ideas. And that's, and that cycle is unbroken. And if you can, and you can just look really at everything that goes on in this country, from discussions about the police, from discussions about reparations, all of these discussions go back to the fact that hey, we really don't want to offend white people, and at the same time, racism is being legislated. So when I say the last Black History Month, you have to understand there are forces right now which that are working, you know, in the spirit of oh well, we don't want critical race theory because why? Because we don't want the truth about racism to be told in schools because it hurt, it'll hurt our children. It'll hurt our children's feelings. And so bills are being advanced in Georgia. Bills are being, you know, advocated for in South Carolina, in Texas. And these bills are being pushed for in our faces. And what need, and people say, well, what, what can we do to stop it? Organize every single person who's pu- who's pushing a political agenda or pushing something that directly goes against the interests of black folks, we should be organizing to get those individuals out of political office. That's regardless of race, but clearly what I' the stuff that I'm talking about right now is uh, predominantly being pushed by white folks. And understand, even if those people cannot be removed from office through electoral politics, there are ways, in terms of civil disobedience, in terms of disrupting the foolery that goes on that needs to happen to create political awareness. This was the genius of the civil rights movement. And this is where we see the true greatness of of not just Dr. King, but so many individuals who were invested because, man, they put a lot on the line to stop uh, the same spirit, the same ideology that we're seeing today. When you look at the White Citizens Council, and, uh, and, and again, this is where history is so powerful. Because there's nothing new under the sun. And every round goes higher and higher. And we're saying, okay, this is the latest incarnation of the Ku Klux Klan. This is the latest incarnation of white supremacy. And it's our turn now. It's my turn now to stop up and say, look, something has to be done about this. And we're not going to let you do this or pass this law that's so deeply offensive. And ultimately, it goes back to a conversation that I had many years ago with a a good brother, man, dear friend of mine, uh, actually a gentleman who supports the show, continues to support the show. And he said, man, you know, how do I teach my son? You know, what should I be teaching him, you know, in terms of, you know, black history? Because I know they're not teaching it in the schools. And I I have a similar response, but it, it does differ in some ways. Because first of all, there's the acknowledgement that we must teach our children about our history at home. And so in order to, it's just like with anything else. If you're going to teach somebody about anything, you got to have a research understanding of the topic or, I mean, even to the point of, you know, sharing experiences that works for some things, you know, that's, that works for tying your shoes, works for teaching a kid how to ride a bike. But when you're teaching a child about history, there's something different. There's, it's about research and understanding and you know reading books and again we're in a we're in a good age we're in an information age where we can teach our children more about history it's about commitment and it's about having uncomfortable conversations because if we're being clear about this a lot of us rightfully and understandably raise our children to say look you know if there's a you know, the children in your class, regardless of their color, creed, all these different type, types of things, you love them, and so we teach our kids in this way, and rightfully so, because we want to, you know, look, have good human beings. But at some point, inherent bias is kicking in, misinformation is kicking in, and so there's a divide. And this is where we got to step up on our kids' behalf and tell them the truth about what's really going uh, what, what has really happened, and what's really gone on, and what continues to go on, go on in American history. Uh, the big gap to you know. Again, to go back to the original question, which is, you know, what should I be teaching my kid, you know, in terms of history? You know, I think it's easy to, you know, there are going to be lessons and information about slavery. There's going to be information and lessons about the Civil Rights Movement and Jim Crow. You know, even to the point of, you know, modern day dialogues about, you know, George Floyd, those things are going to happen. The missing gap in terms of education, uh, American education, in terms of black liberation and black advancement and black achievement is the Reconstruction period. Uh, Zen uh, Howard Zen. Uh, it's called, I want to say that site is uh, Zen Ed, Z I N N. It escapes me escapes me right now, but they have great teaching tools about Reconstruction. Teach your kids about Reconstruction, man. That's a game changer. Uh, the parallels between that particular period of time and now are amazing. You know, you know, because we talk a lot about representation, but man, there is power in understanding the, there's a duality between electoral politics and black liberation and understanding that we use the gains that we may, you know, that, that we we may be able to pull through um, politics and political parties. We ultimately use those for the advancement of the race, not the advancement of advancement of individuals. And I think that is what's sorely missing right now um, in our political discourse. And as we can, you know, as we building as we strive as a community of people we got to get back to community and less about you know I get it the first black person to do this and that's great but the first black ends up not advancing the not it ends up not advancing the race it ends, it ends up advancing the individual and that's why we never see any cultural change it's nation time y'all let's talk about it the next three minutes are going to be hella controversial get ready
1: it's nation time <laughs> Time to get together, time to be one strong, fast, black energy space, one pulsating, positive magnetism, rising time to get up and become, become, time to become, time to get up, become black genius, rise spirit muscle, sun man, get up, rise, heart of universes to be future of the world, the black man is the future of the world, become, rise up, future of black genius, spirit reality, move, from crush roach back, from dead snake head, from weak funeral in slow motion, from dancing teeth and coward dip, from have a pat me boss, pat me sandwich, when the brothers strike, niggas, come out, come out, niggas and the brothers take over the school, help niggas, come on niggas, all oh, niggas, niggas must change up, come together in unity unify for nation time, okay. it's nation time, <XA2> it's nation time, boo, boo, ooh, ooh, it's okay. Fly. Sing a miracle firelight, sing an airplane invisibility for the Jesus niggas come from the grave. For the Jesus niggas dead in the cables, have passed. Juju song, Shadow World, raise up Christ, nigga. Christ was black, Krishna was black, Shango was black. Black Jesus, nigga, come out and strike. Black Jesus, nigga, come out and strike, come out and strike. Boop, boop, boop. Hey, come, stop. Close for, close presidential. Burn the policies. Tear the glass off them dead statues. They just imitating life. Shango, Buddha, black. Hermione, Brassie, black. Moses, Mr. black. Brothers wanna stop animals, come out, niggas, come out. Come out, niggas, 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 come out. Come out, niggas, 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 come out. Help us stop the devil, help us stop the devil, help us stop the devil, help us build a new world. Niggas come out, niggas come out, niggas come out. Niggas come out. Brothers are we, with you and your sons, your daughters are ours, and we are the same, all the blackness from one black alive. When the world is clear, you be with us. Come on, niggas, come out. Come out, niggas, come out. It's nation time. 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 It's nation time It's nation time It's nation time Get with bells and bells It's nation time It's nation time Channels Get up, Santa Claus Get up, Rookas Get up, Dirty War Get up, Dirty War Get up, Dirty Brown It's nation time, time. Black get, Black up get up, Muscle Jack. Get up, Rassus For real, become Rastafaron Rast you Get up, nigga Come over here, take a bow, brother It's up nation time
0: Do you need insurance for your car home life or business then trust Jay harvey your all-state insurance agent in evans georgia he opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people as a husband and father he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected you can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106 jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. Listen. This episode of Making a Difference and every episode moving forward will honor the life and legacy of my dear brother, James Macon. James had a way of telling the truth that endeared him to family and made him respected by his friends and peers. That standard is now my gift and my burden of responsibility. Long live St. James.
1: It's the West Coast Diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making.
0: Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making. Uh, here to wrap up another episode of Making a Difference, I want to go back and talk about the Gary Declaration because the interesting thing, you know, when we look at you know, these events that have happened, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, in the case of the Gary Declaration and the um, National Black Political Convention is, you know, why aren't these things still around? And so you have to really look back at that particular time and just some of the folks who came together. Uh, Gary Declarate, The Gary Declaration and the um, Political Convention was put together um, actually by the mayor of Gary. Uh, I know Mary Baraka, a uh, famous activist and author and poet musician as well. Um, that's actually who you heard from, uh, with the, uh, it's nation time record worth looking up, uh, Mary Baraka, uh, the former Leroy Jones. At any rate, these individuals came together, you know, for the black agenda and there was some controversy surrounding it because that was actually the same year that Shirley Chisholm uh, ran for president and she did not attend that particular convention convention because she felt like she wouldn't be, uh, w- felt like she wouldn't, uh, wasn't welcomed there. And, if you know anything about just the history of civil rights and, you know, just really the the history of the black struggle, uh, it's an unfortunate reality that there have been gender disputes at times. There have been times where women haven't been welcomed at the leadership table. Uh, And that is unfortunate when you think about, you know, dynamic women such as Ella Baker, such as Septima Clark. Uh, these are very real experiences that can be looked up. And, you know, as much as, you know, me, you know, this show, we I talk a lot and actually write a lot about Martin Luther King and obviously think the world of, you know, his movement and the things that he was able to accomplish. Uh, one of the unfortunate pieces, because I mean, obviously of how, of how he was raised and really just uh, the culture of patriarchal leadership, patriarchal leadership um, that exists. Uh, there are some times where, you know, women were, you know, pushed to the side, even when, you know, women had great ideas. And, you know, I give Ella Baker credit for pushing through that. Septima Clark, who's a famous educator, uh, she they pushed through that. And the civil rights movement and mo- the movements, oh, movements overall are better uh, because of their diligence. And, obviously, those are lessons that we can learn today. Ultimately, the political convention fizzled out because... People couldn't get along and people couldn't put their differences aside for the bigger agenda, which is unfortunate. And what's ultimately sad is that we haven't seen anything of this magnitude since, you know, I can think of, you know, different moments and, and times where, you know, black people came together. Million man March comes to mind, but nothing where you just had this, this fusion, this urgency, I think is the is the word that I would I would put in front of it. We still have opportunities to do so. Uh, certainly, the the stakes are still high when you look at, again, what's going on with healthcare, with education. I always encourage people, and this is the challenge for myself and, you know, the things that I see here, uh, you know, in Augusta in the Aiken area is organizing locally. I've addressed issues on the local level. I've addressed issues on a state level or statewide level and it really just comes down to organizing and sustaining you know the gains and you know and continuing to build there's no secret to success and there's no secret to progress it's just about doing the work and making the investment and I'll continue to do that here on making a difference I'll continue to do that through various outlets and I hope you all continue on this journey with me and that is another episode of making a difference again I want to thank everybody for checking in uh, you can follow the page, or excuse me, you can follow the podcast um, via SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. You can also follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N, a Different show. Thank you in advance. Again, my name is Ken Macon. I just want to leave you with blessings and peace and love. Y'all take care.
1: The revolution will not be televised. <laughs> you you. A lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place, will not be televised.